I knew when I was on Hill 65, I, I didn't think I didn't think I was going to make it. In fact, I knew I wasn't going to make it. What is at stake is the cause of freedom. And in that cause, America will never be found wanting. In the spring of 1965, the first United States Army combat troops were committed to the conflict raging in South Vietnam. On the way to secure that uh, landing zone, that's when my men ran into a, a much larger enemy force than we'd ever met before. Welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. Pleasure to have you here on this edition of our show. On December the 28th, 2019, an article was submitted to a Columbus, Mississippi area newspaper by Mr. Fred Hall. Mr. Hall wanted to honor a former classmate and decorated war veteran, retired Colonel Minister of the Gospel, Sonny Tucker. And in his remarks, Mr. Hall said, Throughout its history, Columbus has produced numerous truly outstanding young men and women who have excelled in fields such as science, medicine, law, sports, government, the military, and more. One of the most unsung heroes in recent history is Henry Butler Sonny Tucker, who graduated from S.D. Lee High School in Columbus in 1955. Today we welcome the man who Mr. Hall favorably wrote about, retired Army Colonel Sonny Tucker. Sonny, welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. Good to be with you, Byron. You're a frequent listener to this program. Yes, I enjoy it very much. As we start off this program today, I would like to do this in honor and memory of your late wife, Miss Loretta. What a beautiful woman. 62 years you were married. Two years dated. 64 total, right? Oh, so you... My college sweetheart. You were a student at... Southern Mississippi. Southern Mississippi, where you were a football star. You're in the Hall of Fame, I understand, too, there. Was it love at first sight? For me, it was love at first sight. <laughs> was she hard to get? Yes, yes. She was homecoming queen, Miss Universe of Southern Mississippi. Who's who? She, I mean, she was something and a beautiful lady, and I miss her so. I know you do. And in your marriage together, God blessed you with a precious daughter, Tori. Yes, she comes and takes care of Daddy every morning. Is she doing well? Doing well. She works out at IKEA. Nice. I want to kind of reflect as you have such a incredible history in the military, retired after 20 years in the U.S. Army, Reflecting back on the wartime that you spent in Vietnam, I think we're living in a time that people in America forget sometimes the sacrifices that have been made for the freedoms that you and I share as Americans. Would you agree? That's correct. How does it make you feel, Sonny, knowing the time you spent and the sacrifices you made and the men that you left on the battlefield, knowing that? Well, I think when the time comes, you know, just like today, when the time comes and uh, uh, the task is out there, you know, America rises up. We've got the young men that write like right now. You know, we've got young men putting their lives on the line each and every day. Yeah. Take us back to that morning of the 8th of November, 1965. Do you know where you were at that time? Yes. We were getting ready. We, we had been on Operation Hump, H-U-M-P. Uh, the reason it was called Operation Hump is because back in those days, you went to Vietnam for one year. And we were at the six-month period because we went there in April, six months. We were over we were over the hump, so to speak, and we had six more months to go. And so they called it the Operation Hump. So we'd been out in the uh, jungle there in the War Zone D for, uh, I presume, was about a little over a week. And so my company was uh, designated to go and uh, ensure that the landing zone for the helicopters that were coming in for us uh, would be secure. And on the way 
on the way to secure that uh, landing zone, that's when my men ran into a a much larger enemy force than we'd ever met before. Your outfit, the 173rd Airborne Brigade, was the first unit of American troops to engage the Viet Cong in North Vietnamese in this major battle. The enemy used something referred to as human wave tactics. Were you familiar with this before coming to... No, that had never been seen. I mean, except back in the Korean War, they used that. But Can you explain that? Well, we're lying on the ground in a prone position, firing at them and everything, and they just get up and they charge, and uh, they charge by bugle. And it's just a human wave tactics. That was their mistake. That's when they took a lot, of, a lot, a lot of casualties. Under your command, I believe there was some 130 men. Is that correct? 180. Of those 180, 29 died there. 29, and I had about 50 or 60 of those that were, were wounded. You said that the Hill 65 was etched in your memory more vividly than your mother's name. Yes. And when I, uh, and when I see some of the uh, uh, footage of the young men that died, uh, and they're all so young, 18 and 19 years old, it's, uh, they'll always be in my mind as a, a young man. And you started out with these men, 180 men in Okinawa, I believe. Trained them in Okinawa for three years. So you knew them pretty well. Yes, by the back of their head. After the battle on the uh, 8th of November, you and General Westmoreland, another famous general in the Army, visited your men in the MASH hospital. What was that moment like? I, I can't imagine. Well, he was there um, when we came in from the helicopters. We landed the helicopters. And then I got in his uh, entourage, and we went over to the MASH hospital, which was there in Benoit, which was not, it, you know, it was a tent, MASH hospital. And... Uh, uh, we walked through, and he talked to each and every one uh, there. Two of the men under your command uh, were the first of the Vietnam conflict to receive the Congressional Medal of Honor. You also attended a uh, an award ceremony in the Rose Garden at the White House. Yes. Went into the office with uh, President Johnson, went outside. Uh, they told us not to shake his hand too hard, talking about President Johnson. And uh, myself and my sergeant major, sergeant major board, uh, we stood by the president and uh, the vice president and uh, Joel and his wife, and also uh, Joel's mom and daddy. And he was he was so pleased that he got the medal of honor not for himself, but that his son uh, got automatically appointed to West Point for all congressional medal of honor winners. Uh, there. That was one of the benefits that's of that? A, that's the benefit of a Congressional Medal of Honor. Your children get to go to West Point. You yourself, Sonny, were decorated war veteran, having been awarded Silver Star, three Bronze Stars, each for bravery and heroics in the face of the enemy, meritorious Silver Medal, and four Vietnamese Cross Gallantry Medals. What's it like to be pinned with those kind of medals? What, do you, what goes through your mind during ceremonies like that? Well, like I say, uh, you know, I'd give them everyone back if I get those 29 young men back. Uh, but uh, I was no hero. My men were the heroes. Just thinking back in your childhood, was there anything, experience, or the way you were brought up that gave you strength when you were on the battlefield? I've never lived in a house with a man in my life. Uh, I was raised with uh, my two sisters and my mother, single mother. My grandmother raised me. My grandmama uh, named me. And we were raised in the First Baptist Church in Columbus, Mississippi. When the doors were open, the Tucker clan uh, was there. And uh, NRAs, Sunbeams, I gave my heart to the Lord back uh, 
uh, under uh, an evangelist there in Columbus, Mississippi, when I was a young man. I knew when I was on Hill 65, I, I didn't think I didn't think I was going to make it. In fact, I knew I wasn't going to make it. Many people there at First Baptist Church, when I go home, they say they could remember my grandmother on Wednesday night raising her hand to the pastor, Dr. S.R. Woodson, saying, pray for Sonny and his men. In fact, I got a I got an email here just a couple of weeks ago saying that they could remember my momo uh, raising her hand in prayer meeting, saying, please pray for Sonny and his men in Vietnam. Well, I know that must mean so much, knowing that people were praying for you. I tell you, it, uh, of all the close calls, the, the Lord had me encircled with his angels. Were you wounded on Hill 65? No, no. I had my RTOs, my radio telephone operators, got wounded by, right by my side. The bravery and exploits of your rifle company was recorded in a song, a country music duo, Big and Rich, called the 8th of November. The song was nominated for the 2006 Country Music Awards Song of the Year. Runner-up. It was a runner-up. Runner-up, yeah. Placed second. And then the documentary, I think, got the, got the documentary of the year. You can go to uh, YouTube and look at it now. So what is it like hearing a song that's on the radio about your exploits? Got actual footage. In that song, uh, Big and Rich have the actual, some actual footage of the enemy. Of the enemy in the documentary interviews the commander of the, uh, of the, uh, the VITCOM. What is that like watching that back, Sonny? I, I can't imagine. I haven't watched it in years, but it uh, brings back old memories. Big and Rich uh, raised over a million dollars on that song. If you go to Fort Benning, Georgia, they've got a huge monument dedicated to that battle, and it's right there at the entrance at, at Fort Benning. And it's got the names of the uh, airborne soldiers that gave uh, their life a beautiful, beautiful monument. During the Vietnam War, you completed a search-and-destroy operation where you took two armloads of Russian AK-47s back to your supply sergeant for him to fly to Saigon for a trade with the desk warriors. What was the outcome of that trade deal? He came back in on a uh, on a big chopper, and he had a 15-KW generator. That one generator gave all my troops electricity in their tents. They had lights in their tents. A miracle. So the conditions for you in that environment, of course, I've been to that part of the world. Humidity is crazy. Yes. What are some other things you had to deal with just in the environment, aside well, from the battle? Well, you had to deal with the food. But, of course, we had sea rations. But, of course, uh, my next tour in Vietnam, I had a three-man team. and I was 25 air minutes away from the nearest American, so I lived with the Vietnamese. I had to get my stomach used to eating out there in the woods. So... Uh, I came home, and I could have drank a cherry Coke and used me for a thermometer. I'd lost so much weight. Do you remember some of the unusual foods you had to digest? Well, I don't want to talk about that, <laughs> okay. but uh, we had to eat with the village chief once a month. Okay. I think so, you said enough right yes. there. Uh, you had a relationship with General Colin Powell. As a matter of fact, he wrote about you, admiration, friendship, and respect in his autobiography, My American Journey. In the second book, he wrote, It Worked for Me. He tells why he selected you as his deputy commander. What was it like serving under his command? Well, Colin and I, well, Mr. Secretary, uh, he was a major and I was a captain. That's when we first became friends at Fort Benning. And then uh, when he became a brigade commander, years later, he asked to have me as his deputy. So I became his deputy commander. I tell people I've had the opportunity to work. For two amazing men. I worked uh, for Colin Powell, who just took over a room, his presence in a room, 
Then in the religious world, I work for Adrian Rogers. The Lord has blessed me to work into the number one in the religious world and the number one man in the military. Thankful that you had that opportunity to serve under both of those great leaders. When you think about leadership values, what are some things that you learned after? We'll move into the story of Adrian Rogers in a little bit, but I want to kind of stay in the military circles right now. But the men that you worked under regarding leadership, what were some leadership values taken away from those that you served under? First thing, look after your men, always. And Colin Powell was good about that. Colin knew everybody. I mean, he got down he got down at the nitty-gritty. He was their friend. And in the book, uh, It Worked For Me, he tells why he was a friend. And uh, he needed a man that under him that jacked everybody up. And so in that book, he dedicates a whole chapter about me uh, being the executive officer and why you need a man under you. Because the leader's got to be a good man. And then somebody under him has got to be the man that takes care of business. One of your best friends was General Fred K. Mahaffey. What were the circumstances, do you feel like, Sonny, that helped create that bond between you two? Well, once again, I was his deputy when he was brigade commander. He, by the way, when he died, he died of an aneurysm um, while he was speaking up at the War College. Youngest four-star general in the Army. Several years ago, I was asked to come and do a memorial service for 15 airborne soldiers at Arlington National Cemetery. And I knew General Mahaffey was, in fact, his daughter and my daughter, Tori, were roommates in college. And I was very close to that family. And uh, I knew he was buried in Arlington and wanted to see his grave. And as I was speaking to those 15 airborne soldiers at their memorial service there at Arlington, I just happened to look over on my right, and there he was, one of the big tombs and had four stars on it. Fred K. was right there by my side while I was speaking to those guys. I thought, that that's amazing. That bond itself, what were some things that connected you to, other than the fact that he was your superior? Well, we lived about four doors at Fort Benning, about four doors from down from each other. Of course, he lived in general quarters. I lived uh, in colonel's quarters. In fact, uh, when you watch the movie, we were soldiers once. They run, they run right by my house there, running the troops. But uh, he called us down one night, Loretta and I. He and his wife called us down. And they called us down because he, w- he wanted me uh, to meet, of course, his daughter. We knew her, the other daughter. And they were announcing the engagement. That night, Potsy, who was uh, one of the guys on Fonzie and... Uh, happy Days. Happy Days. Everybody's watched Happy Days. But they announced, <laughs> they announced their, their wedding. So we celebrated their engagement down in their living room that night. I remember that. The legendary Lieutenant Colonel John Paul Van was also part of your military career. When you serve under somebody like that, was there times when you doubt or question their leadership? Well, you wouldn't. John Paul Van, of course, he was a retired Lieutenant Colonel, but he was the most powerful civilian in the Vietnam. He had three and four-star generals working for him. Uh, and, of course, you know, he got killed in, during Tet, uh, but uh, he's the only civilian uh, that commanded a corps. If you look that up, and some the only civilian, only civilian ever in history. It's in the book of the bright and shining lie, which won a, a Pulitzer Prize. But he was the most vile man I've ever known. The most vile man, I can tell you, I had no respect for him. Of course, I obeyed my orders. But the vilest man I've ever known, and he died a cruel death. Chopper crash, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, he got shot down during. Now he feared no one. He feared no one. 
And, of course, during that tent, he got shot down. He flew his own helicopter. After an honorable and heroic career in the military, Sonny, you received a call from God. Tell me about that call for ministry. Well, I think he talked to my wife first. Uh, but uh, I was at Fort Benning. I was Fort Benning. There was a time... There was a time that I never, that after I left college and everything, it was 17 years that I didn't go to church, you know. What I wanted to do, I wanted to be uh, wanted to be a general. Uh, but the Lord wanted me to be a corporal in his army. And so uh, I hadn't been to church in 17 years. And uh, the Lord had spoke to me, and I, we were looking for a church there in Fort Benning. I saw, I saw that uh, 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 we went around one Wednesday night. Looking for a church, I saw a parking lot full. I said, "Let's go in here," and so uh, we went in there. It was Edgewood Baptist Church, a godly church. Pastor's a dear friend of mine right now. He preached God's word, and and then uh, Doctor Gray Allison came to uh, Edgewood Baptist Church to teach on the Book of Mark. And the pastor asked me, "Would I take him uh, to my home and feed him uh, and uh, on a Sunday?" And so Loretta and I had him over to our house, plus uh, his his men, plus the staff. And at that time, I was thinking about uh, going to Southwestern. But you, when you got Dr. Gray Allison in your in your house, I would say of all the people I've ever worked for, the most influential man in my life is Dr. Gray Allison. And his wife just passed away uh, day before yesterday. She did. Von Sill. In fact, Von Sill taught me music and. Uh, Seminary. She taught all the preachers because Dr. Allison said, you know, you might be in a country church and your organist or your pianist won't show up or your song leader. So you need to know how to lead music. So for our final exam, for our final exam, you could you could lead any song you wanted to. So I decided to lead Away in the Manger. And I did the pickup and I started to lead it. Leading the way in the manger with well, the preacher boys, and they all started laughing and falling out in the aisle. And I found out that I was leading it way in the manger to the wrong tune. And then Miss Von Sills, I went up and she said, "Oh, brother Sonny, I'm so glad you did so bad. My husband tells me I give too many A's in this class, and I need a B, and you got it. So I always remember I loved her to death." That's a great story, Sonny. You mentioned about working under the leadership of Adrian Rogers. How did his leadership ability compare with some of the high-ranking military officers that you served under? Oh, nothing like Adrian Rogers, man. I mean, uh, he's the best. I mean, he was a natural. Of course, he's full of the Holy Ghost, right? I just thank the Lord that I had the opportunity to work for him. I always thought he'd do my funeral, but the Lord took him home. I still miss him. I, I miss him as a friend. We got it, and you know when when uh, just like when Mac Arthur left the army, we had other generals come take his place. I mean, now uh, Doctor Adrian Rogers left. We've got Steve Gaines just took that place. Just God's always got a man uh, waiting. Did Doctor Rogers ever take any advice from you? No, <laughs> <laughs> but he always joked with me. He always joked with me. I, I just. I just loved him to death. I mean, he, he really had a great sense of humor. Can you recall something that sticks in your mind about some of his humor, maybe a particular joke or something? For Christmas, because he loved it so much. My gift every year to him was the desk calendar. They don't make it anymore. Farside. He loved Farside. And I always gave him a big desk calendar to sit there on his desk. And one thing I learned uh, from Dr. Rogers, always send that thank you note or just a note. 
just a note to someone. Just sit down. You hadn't spoke to somebody in a long time. Just sit down and write them a note. I learned that from him. Your position on staff at Bellevue was minister to senior adults, I believe. And pastoral ministers, they go together, right? Yes, pastoral ministers. Joe Jernigan's got that now, pastoral minister. And by the way, you know, he's had that very successful uh, transplant of that uh, liver. Kidney well. transplant. I think he comes home today, Thursday, yeah. I know. He, it's, we're very thankful. Oh, Prayers yeah. have been answered. Oh, yeah, man. Sonny, I would like to uh, focus the rest of our time together reflecting on your precious bride, as we mentioned at the beginning, 62 years, Loretta Beth's Tucker, who went home to be with Jesus April 24th, 2019. The first time you laid eyes on her was at the University of Southern Mississippi. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Did she live close to you? Was she from another area? She was in Biloxi. I was in the northern part of the state. I had just got there. I was at LSU on a football scholarship. I didn't like LSU, and I got an appointment to West Point. So I dropped out of LSU and went up and prepped for West Point, and I didn't like the Army. And so I left and went down to play football for Southern Mississippi. And Loretta was Loretta was captain of the Dixie Darlings. And uh, I saw that young lady out there uh, leading the Dixie Darlings when I was down there. So uh, I, I got, you know, it's a beautiful lady, beautiful lady. What I remember about Miss Loretta was how graceful she was. Yes. She yes. was the classic lady. Yes. She, in fact, uh, on brag, she was... When we were in Georgia in uh, 1966, 67, and 68, somewhere along in there, she got one of the top ten women in Georgia. And uh, she was in Who's Who. Uh, she was uh, Hall of Famer at uh, Southern Mississippi. She homecoming queen. She was Miss Southern Mississippi. I mean, she had it all. And uh, we were we dated for two years. and uh, we went off and got married secretly because I was afraid they'd kick me off my football scholarship being married. And uh, the coach went out and got me a job at the radio station, WHSY. Hey, I was going to ask you, I understand that you've had a background in broadcasting. Yes, WHSY, 1230 on your radio. <laughs> I love it. So tell me about that experience. Were you actually doing, what, on-air disc jockey? Yeah, that's what it was, ABC. In fact, old, uh, Paul Harvey did a radio program from our station, you know. Hattiesburg, Mississippi. That's been a lot of years ago. That's been uh, that's been uh, nineteen fifty eight, fifty nine in there. Been a lot of years, man. So, were you I, playing music? Yeah, playing. You know, yeah, top ten, top twenty. I used to do a sock house. Yeah. Sonny, <laughs> <laughs> as we say goodbye on this program, uh, what does it mean for you to have served our country? And more importantly, what does it mean for you to be a follower of Jesus Christ? Well, uh, what I do every, every morning, uh, I get up. Of course, this is the, since Steve Gaines has come, this is, the, I guess, the 15th or 16th time I've read the Bible through uh, cover to cover. So I have, first thing I do when I hit hit the floor every morning, I uh, do my Bible reading and then I do focus. I do a lot of uh, different devotions, but. I do one uh, focus on life is uh, read the Psalms through every month and Proverbs every month. I have my time with the Lord. He's been so good to me. And right behind uh, on, in our, on our uh, kitchen table, right on the wall there, I've got a big sign. I ordered it from Amazon a few years ago because I, I watched the uh, 
the Dust Bowl, a documentary on the Dust Bowl, and I saw this mama. Everybody was dressed in potato sacks, dirty face and everything, and she'd gotten put a little food on the table for breakfast, you know. But they had a they had a homemade sign on the back that says, We are blessed. And I said, Wow, here's this little family just barely making it and they're saying that we are blessed and here I am. So I went and got me a big sign because I have been blessed in my life. So at my house behind my table, and there's a sign that says, we are blessed. And I thank God. I thank God for a godly mother. Thank God for, you know, I learned more from my grandmother. Had a 10th grade education. She probably didn't have a 10th grade education. But she knew more about the Bible. I've got her Bible now in my study. It's over 100 years old. The Bible's falling apart. I've got it all wrapped up. But if your Bible's falling apart, you're not falling apart, right? <laughs> and so I just love, I just love, uh, I can't wait in the morning because uh, so, I'm in the habit of reading the Bible cover uh, uh, to cover. And I'm, I'm thankful that uh, Pastor Gaines has got us reading the Bible uh, cover to cover. Do you have a particular verse that you lean on, one that's carried you through the years you like? Uh, I like Second uh, uh, Samuel uh, 2, 8, uh, uh, where it says uh, he takes you off of the dung hill, takes you out of the manure pile. Some Bibles say takes you out of the manure pile and sets you to sit with princes. And it's my life, man. He took me out of the manure pile and has put me down where princes are. I mean, it had nothing to do with it, just by what? By the grace of God. Grace of God is like what? The ocean wave, just every day, just one wave after the other. You know, I didn't think I, I mean, the worst, just there in April when I gave my wife up, I mean, I, I didn't think I was going to make it. I mean, uh, just being there, they ran every test on her. She went there to get, to get the, her heart valve replaced, didn't come home. And uh, it was unbelievable. And, uh, and I, I, you know, and just by the grace of God, just by the grace of God, reading God's word strengthened me, and and the, one one wave after another of grace, just His grace, He'll get you through. And I'm so proud of that. Sonny Tucker, God bless you, my dear brother. God bless you, man. I love you. Love you. Thank you so much for what you have done so faithfully for Christ's kingdom and for our country that we have to be free here in America. The, sacrifice you made. Thanks for sharing your heart today on our program. Thank you for inviting me. God bless you and your family. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.